You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. a key issue in John's Gospel. He mentions it no less than 36 times. We know that there are four essentials to life. When we agree upon these, light, air, water, and food. When we agree upon those, if you don't have light, air, water, and food, eventually you'll die. We can agree upon that, right? Jesus, according to the Gospel of John, is every one of these. If you're stranded out in the desert, what are the essential things you need to survive? Two of the first things that come to mind are food and water. Well, today, Pastor Dave looks at various ways Jesus is described, providing the necessities for your very survival. So put up that flare and let God be your search and rescue. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 1, as he continues his message, The Word. logos of God. And this even becomes clearer when you look at verse 2. Why? Look at verse 2. Look at the first word of verse 2. Remember, let me reread verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, He. All of a sudden, the word logos, the word the Word, becomes a person. He. He was in the beginning. He's identified. So we see Christ is the Word of God. Christ is the Logos of God. And the next thing we see about Jesus is that He is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Go back to verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was there in the beginning. John's Gospel starts in the beginning, just like Genesis 1-1 started. In the beginning. And unlike other Gospels that use Jesus' name right at the start, or recall the birth of Jesus, John declares Jesus is pre-existent. He was in the beginning. And this refers to Genesis 1-1, when the book said, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John essentially says, when the beginning began, the word was already there. John is clearly saying that the word predates creation. The word has always existed. Jesus has always existed. Again, this is clearly identifying him as God clearly identifying him as co-creator. In fact, John uses the very same words, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. And if you're a student of theology, you know that the Hebrew name for God used here is Elohim, Elohim. It's used in a singular sense, but it has a plural meaning. It has a plural meaning. So right away, the triune God is even spoken about in verse 1 of the very Bible. Jesus existed in the beginning, not because he was created, but because he is internal. Wherever the beginning was, whatever happened there, Jesus was there. He had the beginning. He has no end. He's eternal. Jesus Christ is divine. Look at the second part of verse 1. 
and the Word was with God. Okay, and the Word was God. Let me read that again. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here you see Jesus' divinity, his deity. John declares that not only Jesus is the Word, the Logos of God, not only is he eternal, pre-existing all things, he goes so much deeper and says, Jesus is God. The Word was with God in the beginning, he was with God, and now he is God. Again, in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God, the pronoun he. What a powerful declaration of Christ's deity. What a powerful declaration. It's so plain. It's so forthright. If you allowed a little child to read it, they would go, oh yeah, Jesus is God. They would know it right away. Now, there are people out there who don't want you to know this. There are people out there who don't want you to know this because they've changed this verse. My dear friends who are at the end of the corner down here, the Jehovah Witnesses, and I don't like to bash churches, but they're down there. They've taken this verse and they've added an ad article, article a, uh, and their translation reads, and the word was a God. Changes the whole thing. Changes the whole picture. No, Jesus was and is God. They had to create something that didn't exist to it to get their point across. John is starting out with his plain declaration that Jesus, the word, is God. This is as straightforward as it gets. It doesn't get any more straightforward than this. Jesus is coexisting with the Father. He was The word was with God. Jesus is co-equal with the Father. The Word was God. Well, didn't Paul write this in Philippians? Didn't Paul write this in Philippians 2, verse 6, when he said, talking about Jesus, who being the form of God? Well, yeah. Here this verse describes his pre-incarnate existence. We must remind ourselves that Jesus did not begin his existence in the manger in Bethlehem. Everybody has that thought. Well, that's where he began. No, he didn't. He was before the foundations of the world. He pre-existed everything. He is eternally God. And the word being is from the ancient Greek word huparchium, which describes that which is man in his very essence, which cannot be changed. It describes that part of a man which in any circumstances remains exactly the same. Paul used this word. And informs the Greek leaders that our Lord's possession of divine essence did not cease to be a fact when he came to earth. Did you hear what I said? When Jesus came to earth, his divinity did not stop. He was always God. He always had all the characteristics of God. But he also had all the characteristics of man. And this refutes the claim of modernism who tell you our Lord emptied himself of his divinity, emptied himself of his deity. No, he did not. The word form here in the ancient Greek means morph. It always signifies a form which truly and fully expresses the being which underlies it. It means being on equality with God in this instance. And morph is essential, and it's a form that never alters. The word schema is outward form, which changes from time to time, from circumstance to circumstance. God has a form. And Jesus Christ exists in that form, which is God. So we've only covered two verses. We've only covered two verses. And, the, and, and, and you know, if I was a defense attorney, I'd be winning my case right now. I'd be looking pretty good. I would be looking pretty good and saying, listen, here's, here's, all the, here's all the evidence here. We see that Jesus is the word, the logos. 
We saw that Jesus Christ is eternal. We saw that Jesus Christ is divine. And then John says, okay, here comes another one, guys. Jesus Christ is the creator. Ah, that's what it says. Look at verse 3. All things. Remember, the Greek word for all means all. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. God created the worlds with his word. God said, let there be light. He spoke it into existence. The psalmist in Psalm 33, in verse 9, says, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. I like that. In Colossians 1.16, Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, speaking of Jesus Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Once again, this rebutes those who would say Jesus is a created being. This rebukes them. Interesting here, though, that the verb that says was made is in the perfect tense. And for those of you who aren't English majors like myself, it means it's a completed act. In other words, creation's done. Creation's finished. It's not ongoing. It's not continually happening. It's not a process, even though God is involved in his creation. And this should put the rest the evolution issue. It doesn't continue. Creation is done. It's over. So let's put all these thoughts together before my mind explodes. Jesus Christ is the word, the logos of God. Jesus Christ is eternal. Jesus Christ is God. And Jesus Christ is creator. Are you wrapping your brains around this, folks? Are you wrapping your head around what John's trying to say? We've only done three verses. Well, let's do another. In verse 4, John makes another claim. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So now we see Christ is life. Now, we're going to find that there are many, many key issues in the Gospel of John. That's why I love Gospel of John. It's so intertwined. It is so exciting. I'm very excited about being able to teach it. But life is a key issue in John's gospel. He mentions it no less than 36 times. We know that there are four essentials to life. Can we agree upon these? Light, air, water, and food. Can we agree upon those? If you don't have light, air, water, and food, eventually you'll die. We can agree upon that, right? Jesus, according to the gospel of John, is every one of these. Jesus is every one of these. John 8, 12 says, He is the life and the light of the world. In Malachi 4, 2, He is the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness. In John 3, 8, by His Spirit, He gives us the breath of life. And in John 7, 37, 39, the Holy Spirit gives us the water of life. And finally, in John 6, 35, Jesus is the bread that came down from heaven. And not only does Jesus have life, does Jesus give life, Jesus is life. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is life. He who has the Son has what? Life. He who has the Son has life, it says in 1 John 5, 12. He who has the Son has life. 
Jesus is the life. What did he say to Mary in John eleven twenty five? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he be dead, will never die. Jesus Christ. And in 3.36, in John 3.36, he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's what I say. Oof. That's what I was going when I was writing all this down. you got to be kidding me. When we reread verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We go to 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So now we see that Jesus is life, and now we're going to move another further. It says Jesus Christ is light. He is light. In Luke 1, 78 and 79, it says, Coming of Jesus Christ in the world was the dawning of a new day. Light dawned in a new day. How about Isaiah 9, verse 2? Isaiah 9, verse 2. Could have had a tag, but no. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. He uses at Christmas all the time, talking about Jesus Christ. Matthew, in his gospel, when he's describing the birth of Jesus, repeats these very words, saying that this was fulfilled by Jesus Christ in Matthew 4, 16. And then when we get to verse 5, John once again introduces another new topic and another theme, darkness. Light versus darkness. People either love the light or they love the darkness. And the love that they have for one or the other controls the way they live. Your love of darkness controls you to live that way. Your love of the light controls you to live this way. Those who believe on Jesus Christ are called sons of light in John 12, 35, 36. And just as the first creation began with let there be light, the new creation begins with the entrance of the light into our heart. And we become the light of the world through Jesus Christ. You would think that as sinful blind men, we would welcome the light into our lives, but that's not so. Because the light brought about conflict as the powers of darkness opposed the light. And the Greek verbiage that's used here is pretty interesting because it means to overcome or to understand or to comprehend. So you can say that the light keeps shining in the midst of the darkness and the doctor has not overcome it, nor has the darkness understood it or comprehended it. Throughout John's gospel, you're going to see both sides. You're going to see both attitudes revealed. People are going to say, I don't understand what the Lord's doing, so let's go after him. It culminates with the crucifixion. What happened during the crucifixion? During the three hours of the crucifixion, the earth was darkened. Darkness seemed to have won. Darkness seemed to have won. The darkness seemed to have succeeded in extinguishing the light, but it couldn't hold them down because three days later, the sun, S-O-N, was shining brightly as the light rose again from the grave. And the light now shines brightly in our hearts. He shines brightly according to Revelation twenty-two sixteen, as the bright and morning star. And in Luke 1, 78, as the day spring from on high. So, wow, in these first five verses, the gospel of John, Jesus Christ is the word, the logos of God. He's the eternal God. He's 
the divine God. He's the creator God. And in Christ is life, and in Christ is light. Look at all these descriptions of him. But wait, there's more. Scoot down to verse 14. Scoot down to verse 14. Oh, we'll get back to the other ones, 6 through 13. Verse 14 says, and the word, remember we're talking about the word, the word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this becomes a pivotal statement for John. This sums up his whole argument. Remember the question that I asked, that Solomon asked? Will God indeed dwell with men? Well, yes, God indeed dwelt with men, and he's still dwelling in men right now. He's still dwelling with us right now. The Greek word for dwelt means tabernacle or encamped. So you have the word, the logos, the eternal, the divine, the creator, the sustainer of life and light, the reason that all things exist tabernacling with us, dwelling in us. I don't know about you, but I'm about to have the heart attack over here. My head's going to explode. This is too much for me to handle. My little pea brain's going, get out of here. What's going on? And my Lord's saying, Dave, I didn't ask you to understand. I just asked you to believe. Tabernacle. There's a cool word. Once you got in, what did you find? You found silver. You found gold. You found fine embroidery and precious stones. And you found the presence of God. I found the presence of God in the tabernacle. In Isaiah 53, in Isaiah 53, you know it better than I. Isaiah 53, in verse 2, he says basically, he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't these fancy, beautiful pictures that we see drawn of him. He was just an ordinary guy, like all the other guys. He was just an ordinary guy. There was nothing that would make us drawn to him. But inside was the presence of God. Inside Jesus was the presence of God. See, while Jesus was on earth, he was not a fan of it. Nor was he a spirit or an illusion. And John testifies in his own epistle in 1 John 1. In 1 John 1, and I absolutely am endeared by this verse. And you know, it's just so cool when you read it. 1 John 1, John begins and says that, and he's speaking about Jesus, that which was from the beginning. Oh, does that sound familiar? Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning what? The word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. And that's which we have seen and heard. We declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what John is saying here? He's saying, hey, guys, you don't have to believe me, but for three years, for three and a half years, I was there. 
I'd be able to put my arm around him. I was able to cuddle up on him on a cold night. I was heard him speak. I saw the miracles. I saw what he did. I saw everything that happened. And hey, I'll take it one step further. I watched him die. I was there at the cross, the only one that stood at the cross and looked at Jesus. That which we've seen, that's what we've heard, that's what we've touched with our hands. John is saying, I want to declare him to you. What a revelation. What a revelation. Can you imagine every time John touched the Savior, was he thinking when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Can you imagine John going, am I going to fry if I touch you? Can I give you a hug or am I going to get burned up here? I mean, that's what they thought. No one's ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. What they heard from Moses was you got to hide behind a rock if God walks by. They, they had never seen the Lord. Can you imagine that? The old covenant fades away, and the new covenant of Christ is increased in glory. The law couldn't reveal sin. It did. It revealed sin to us, but it couldn't remove sin. The law was helpless to remove sin. Jesus came in the fullness of grace and truth, and that fullness is now available to all who would place their trust in him for salvation. One of my favorite, and I have many, it's hard to put labels on favorites, but one of my favorite favorite stories in the Bible, and I love this story, and I've taught on it many, many times, is found in Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, Jesus looks at him, and he's with the disciples, and Matthew 16 records his words. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And the disciples, you know, the old Jackie Gleason, well, humana, 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 you're John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you're Elijah. No, no, you're Jeremiah. Oh, you're, you're just one of the prophets. And they're throwing out these ideas back and forth. This is who you are. This is who you are. And Jesus says, enough of this. Enough of this craziness. I have another question for you. Who do you say I am? And this becomes the inescapable question that every single one of us here and every single one of us in the entire world has to answer. Who do you say Jesus is? It doesn't matter who I say he is. It doesn't matter who I say he is, but what matters is who you say he is. Jesus says, let's get personal. Forget all these guessing games and stop throwing these names out. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Jesus was not just some prophet. He wasn't a madman roaming the countryside. He wasn't John the Baptist come back to life. He wasn't any of those. Jesus wasn't a liar because he said that I am the truth. There was nothing false in him. Simply put, Peter had the right answer. Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, stands up as only Peter could and said, You're the Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus, the Word, the Logos, the Eternal, the Creator, the Divine, the life, the light, came to earth and tabernacle with us. And he wants to tabernacle with you. He wants to meet you right where you are. Struggling with a sin? Jesus is there. Struggling with a relationship? Jesus wants to heal it. Wants to make it better. Whatever you're struggling with today, Jesus has taken care of it on the cross. And the question is, who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? Only you can decide that answer. You are a sure.
The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as I Am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.